are now listening to Hint of Lemon. Hey, welcome to Hint of Lemon. So today I have two great close friends that I've met along my journey while working in, let's just call it in the education system. So at one point, I was a instructional assistant for middle schoolers at a private school. And since then, I've met these two great people who I would definitely consider my friends. We've definitely gone through a lot of interesting, I guess is the word. What do you guys say? Like just crazy entitled yeah. moments working with kids oh is entitled. that is that good a good one. way to put it i don't know that's a great way to put it okay for sure so let's just start with that so since then <laughs> we've gone through a lot of very funny moments very would you say emotional moments as well like the thing is that our experience there especially from my perspective is that we went through a lot of ups and downs and we learned a lot about ourselves in the moment and i can confidently say that that experience has definitely inspired and changed me as a person because without that experience and without those great moments and low moments, again, that wouldn't have created me to be who I am today. And so just to introduce these two, we had similar <laughs> positions at our job at that private school, but I want to introduce you to Jen and Lindsay. Welcome. Hello. How hello, are, hello. How are you guys? Are you guys nervous to be on this officially? Because I'm ready. I my hands are a little clammy right <gasps> Okay, now, mine but... too. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to just be real here. <laughs> You're right. I did just wipe my hands on my blanket. <laughs> Sweaty. Super yeah. clammy. Someone had to just let it out of the bag. It's oh my okay. gosh, let it, let it out. Hey, it's okay. But when we do talk, I mean, these two, like I said, I, I met them just I feel it's kind of random how we met. How would you guys say when we all eventually met? Jen, do you want to take it off? Because I feel like I met, I definitely met you first. Yeah, so you did. Let's start there. Yeah. So I'm Jen. Hi. Um, <laughs> I met Mark the first day of orientation week at our school. Mm. And I do remember at the like meet and greet. And I was like, who is this guy? And we're, what is he doing here? Because I had worked at the school for a couple of years. Um, I was taking on a new role that school year. And so I was working as an instructional assistant. And but I don't even remember how I actually met you, Mark. Yeah, I probably said like, hi. And that was like the gist of it. And then I remember we were on a tour with our boss. I don't know if you remember this. But I think we were, so, like, yeah. Walking around with all the new people. And then I think he said something like really funny. And I was like, this guy, <laughs> this he's, guy. he's full of jokes. <laughs> who the fuck is this guy? Is that what you thought? Jeez. I was like, who is this guy? But I was like, he looks like he's around my age. So yeah, yeah. I would like to know like more. Yeah. You know, that was like in September. Yeah. Whatever definitely year. the beginning of the year. I kind of remember as I remember actually when I had my interview and I don't know why, but our, our boss was taking me around already, which kind of threw me the fuck off. I was like, did I get the position? This is fucking awkward. Um, and then I I met Jen like very shortly because you walked by coming from like the, the daycare area. And then she's like, oh, this is Jen. And I didn't really think much of it because I'm like, nobody's face or name is really getting obtained. I'm just in shock the whole time. Yeah, I just remember getting to know you, especially because I was there basketball coach at one point and then i remember talking to you like after practice or like before practice oh, and i'm yeah. like oh this chick is cool and then that kind of led to you started working in the school as well from that um after school program, program. and then yeah. that kind of led from there and then for Lindsay, yes i worked as an instructional assistant in first grade but i came in mid-year right yeah um in 2016 i think yeah. um I don't know what I'm getting into because it was like a temp job, mm -hmm. like a substitute. Initially, yeah. And so I have a funny story about this. Sure. But Jen and yeah. I were, she was in second, I was in first, so we were neighbors. Good. Oh, I just remember Mark came up to me and was like, hey, do you know anything about this new chick that they hired? And I remember thinking, I was like, no, but I think. I think this chick is probably married and a hippie. And I'm pretty sure I told Mark that or someone along. Because I was like, 
something, something. Just Wait, you thought I had ten children. No, but we thought we you were no, like I, no. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we like <laughs> taking offense, hold on. She's like, you have ten kids. I'm no. Like, <laughs> I think one of us said that because just like my feeling around that school, especially, was that if you were a teacher, you were most likely married. You just fell under this box. And me being me, coming into like a, a staff that was older, and if they happened to be my age, they were most definitely married. And so I was kind of searching out for new friends too, like work friends, because I was like, oh, I wonder if Jen is married and like has kids and like falls under that box. And, you know, she wasn't. And then Lindsay, like, we we're curious about you because I'm. In a way, I'm like, I want a group of new work friends. <laughs> like, why not? Let's let's start a pack. Work and friends so, are good. Yeah, yeah, that kind of led to meeting you, Lindsay, and Jen. If you want to talk on behalf of that, yeah. How was your first interaction with Lindsay? I can't remember if it was outside. Oh my gosh, was it at recess? I want to say it was. I think I actually like came up to you and I was like, oh, let me know if you need anything. We're neighbors. Then yes. I'm pretty sure at like very early on. I had then said, like, are you married or because I, I was curious, like I, I wanted to know. And then that's when I found out that Lindsay was not married and she was not a hippie. And um, I don't so, have 10 kids. And she doesn't have 10 kids. Yet. Have yet. <laughs> We're just saying yet. So hopefully you can look back on this and be like, yet? Oh. oh, my God. <laughs> and then I spilled the beans to Mark. And then yeah. I think. I don't know what happened after that, but I think every like everything after that's just history. Because uh, I mean, you guys can chime in on this, but I always remembered some one of us just wanted to go out for happy hour, and that was a big thing about that with staff. I think in a way, I kind of wanted to avoid other staff that I did not like, <laughs> and they would just be like, "Hey, you want to go out after work?" And I'm, I remember going out once, and I just had a fucking terrible time. I'm like, I don't know how to connect with you guys. No offense, but. And so I kind of kept to myself. And then in a way, like the three of us just kind of gravitated towards each other because one, we we're very close in age. And I just remember most likely went to some happy hour spot and then we just got to know about each other. And, you know, yeah, I don't remember yeah. the first thing we did outside yeah. of work. I think we went and saw the school play. Oh, that could have been it. Yeah. Oh, you might be right. I was definitely had when, to be part of that because I had to chaperone kids. But maybe, I don't know. I feel like that's where we might have hung out. Maybe. But I know we would like try different food, which was fun. I miss that during this pandemic time. What are, uh, what are some highlights of us hanging out? Because I know at a certain point, we definitely got to know each other at a personal level. But what are some highlights that come out, especially just as a group? Let's just stick with that. Um, I think we have great senses of humor. And then we are always we can always laugh. But then we can always talk about big things too, like what's going on in the world. And then that type of thing. I think another thing is that we're so flexible. So like, there's never really a concrete plan. Right. And so we're able to just kind of like do our own thing, which is really cool because I think some dynamics sometimes within groups or even friendships, you feel like you're obligated to be there for a certain time or have all these questions to ask your new friend but like in our friendship it was always very organic like the conversation was organic and the time we were together was just rich yeah Um, and so I felt like that was really like kept us wanting to spend more time together and yeah to add on to that too um just so that everyone has an idea of when we did meet around I would say it's like our mid early to mid 20s you know we're all coming from different backgrounds um, which we can talk about next but from there especially uh, I was just trying to enjoy life if I was honest like I was coming from a very hard job and I just it was just refreshing to have new friends and then also on top of that just being able to connect with you guys and really realize like whoa I kind of found it like a blessing in disguise because we do come from pretty similar um, educational and work backgrounds so even bigger whoa moment for me because I was like they kind of understand where I'm coming from and on top of that like they kind of are on the same page about where we all eventually want to go you know what I mean yeah let's jump into that so Lindsay like where 
I know you have a social work background. So where where were you before you started at uh, this private school we met at? Yeah, before I was at um, community mental health working in um, an autism program. And that was a time limited job. And then I was like, oh, I need another kind of job. And so I fell into the substitute job, which was temporary at the private school. And then they offered me the continuing position um, after that for the following school year. So that's where I came from. Sure. So I have a different experience in the sense that prior to being prior to holding that instructional assistant hat, I worked at this private school for three years, um, working at their after school program, um, but also wearing a couple different hats at that time. And I started when I was in college. So I got this job at this private school and was working this job and also some other jobs um, at the same time and going to school full time. Um, And then once I kind of finished that, um, I kind of stayed um, and found this instructional assistant position. And so, yeah, I've also worked as a behavior therapist for a couple of different private practices, worked as a private tutor and did a lot of um, nonprofit roles and worked in other schools before that. So wore lots of different hats. So just kind of recapping that, it's it's funny because we all came from what seems like human services and mental health with that kind of background. And it was just ironic, too, because we were all taking instructional positions in, you know, each respective grade. So Jen, you're second grade. Lindsay, you were first. And I was I was middle school. So that's at that school. It was technically sixth through eighth grade. And what's funny about that is that even though we all worked in different areas of the school, we connected so much as work friends (laughs) And then eventually just, you know, genuine friends after that. And um, with that mentality, though, coming into that private school, were you guys intending to be teachers? Let's just start with that question. Like, what was your thought process back then? Because personally, I was not. So my reason for taking that position was actually kind of a career change. Um, I knew I was interested in working with that kind of population. And better yet, like I actually went to a private school. So it kind of made sense for me to even connect with that job even more. And eventually, like my goal at the time was to try to become a a guidance counselor, you know, either middle school or high school. But that was my thought process going into that. So what about you guys, though? Yeah, I was not wanting to be a teacher. I was my goal was to get into the public school system and be a school social worker in the public school system. So that that was kind of a stepping point at the private school for me. Yeah, and for myself, I grew up going to the public schools in my area. And so I knew eventually I wanted to work in a public school. And so this was a good, like, stepping stone for that. And I will say, like, it was just very organic for me to go from one role to the next um, and to stay at that school. So that's a big reason why I stayed um, and just kind of continued. So kind of going off of that, like we all have our own reasons why we stayed and continued. Um, I think that's where the magic of our conversation can really happen because we each had our own unique experiences with, you know, different students, staff, parents, whatever. So I'm kind of hoping we can dive deeper into not specific moments only, but, you know, just overall. And so I guess my first question is, so are there any moments or occurring themes um, while during your time at this private school where you realize like, wow, I'm making a bigger impact than I thought or intended to? And that's a very loaded question, but let's just, let's see where we'll go with that. Yeah, I think at the the school we were at, um, it's a smaller school. Um, I grew up K through 12 in the public school system. Um, So this was new for me, but it was very beneficial. Um, So what I noticed was there's wraparound support for students and families. If they needed one-to-one support, they were able to get that. So that's what I noticed um, where we were working. For me, I think it was a lot 
easier to create um, and foster relationships with students and staff because um, most of the kids would just go through K through eight at that school. So you get got to see them over the years. And at least for me, I was able to see a lot of kids go through, you know, I was there for six years. So I saw a lot of kids um, and was able to see a lot of them kind of just grow up in front of my eyes. And you're able to even just build relationship with the families, you know, because they are, at least the families, they were very intentional about getting to know who you were as, you know, their child's educator um, and wanting to kind of build that relationship. Um, But I think it was, like Lindsay was saying, the wraparound approach that was heavily focused um, at our school, which was really great. So what are examples that you guys can kind of pinpoint regarding that wraparound approach? Because maybe you can talk on behalf of your guys' personal experience. Because, again, I'm a little biased here because I did come from uh, a private school growing up, actually a, a K to 8 as well. So when it came to that wraparound approach that you guys talk about, maybe it doesn't hit as hard for me because it's so normal for me if, in the sense that my definition of that is it's more of a community uh, approach that for these group of kids, maybe that's money, you know, that just sounds very entitled. But the fact that the community has made an agreement because on top of that, they're paying, but they've made an agreement that they're going to invest in these kids and kind of give them as many resources as possible. And, you know, with money comes a lot of benefits and a lot of opportunities at that. And so how would you guys explain your experience seeing that firsthand, you know, as a working professional for this private school, and then also incorporating like what you experienced and what shocked you? I will say it's not normal to have a full-time instructional assistant per class. And yeah, that's a that big... Shocked, that shocked the shit out of me, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, that's a big thing. And so I, you don't have... Most public schools, right, have their teacher and their instructional assistant for... And that IA is for three grades. Yeah. And there might be multiple classes per grade. So, you know, if a child is struggling, you know, a certain area... Unless that child has been been on that teacher's radar, you know, they're not able to get that like one-on-one attention. Whereas an instructional assistant at our school was able to really kind of focus in on those kids that needed that extra support. So it was kind of our job to be able to like pull them out and kind of do that work, you know, away from the other kids and give them that extra time that was needed so that they could get what they needed. And so I think, and also with that being said, you know, if we needed to involve like our school counselor or, you know, admin to kind of work with the child, like we just had a strong relationship that we could do that. And I don't know how it is in public schools, you know, now, but growing up, I don't know if that was even a thought necessarily, um, where it was, there was like a care team that was designated to the child or children. And unless it was probably brought up from the teacher, they probably just fell through the cracks. Yeah, I would say it's a funding thing, too. But like I said, like money is a huge reason for why we had our position, if you think about it. so Totally. I would agree with that um, because it was the wraparound, you know, like if the kids needed breaks, you know, I would take them on breaks. Um, and that sometimes is an option in public school just because based on staffing and numbers alone, for sure. Um, so I always like bringing back mm-hmm. our past experiences or our past jobs, because in a way, like I definitely use those skills that I learned in my previous job because For example, like being able to connect with a student, I felt like that happened naturally. But then there are moments where, you know, if a student was being combative, funny that I say that, but I mean that in like their own entitled way, because these were very rich kids. Let's just say that. Yeah, I I was able to use the skills that I learned in my previous job to kind of have that hat per se, like you put it in a perfect way. Like you, I put on that hat where I was able to use this way of talking and way of thinking and look beyond that student's behavior, which was very helpful for me in that position. Using that, my question for you guys is, 
how did working in mental health or, you know, in just human services benefit you in this specific position? Because I'm sure there's a lot of moments where, not to throw shade, but there were other um, instructional assistants at this place that didn't have a similar background. I'm not hating on that, but at the same time, it's like they approached it from a motherly aspect compared to a professional and mental right. health perspective you know what i'm saying so how how did that benefit you guys in in certain ways and you can give examples or you know just talk broadly but yeah i think yeah having the mental health experience is helpful um when you're working with students you know you're able to understand the behaviors you're able to understand what is gonna work and what isn't going to work so yeah it's really really beneficial i think it benefits all school employees to have some sort of mental health training sure like one big thing that i like even brought to the private school i worked at was reinforcements and Mm. how reinforcements are so helpful when like a child is feeling defeated yeah where they are having a difficult time completing their schoolwork you know, but if you have those reinforcers where they're able to, you're able to give them that, you know, and kind of use that to help, that's really helpful. But a lot of people don't have that understanding. I, you know, was fortunate enough to bring that from ABA therapy, because mm-hmm. that's what I did with the clients that I work. And so when I was able to kind of take that and bring it to the student I was working with, I found that it was really helpful. And also with some kiddos who just needed some extra like social emotional support. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that definitely seeing helping them through that lens of like um, having that mental health piece behind me definitely helped in the conversation um, with the student or students that I was working with. So I am very grateful to have had the uh, mental health teachings um, from college, but also from just work. Definitely. So kind of going off that last part that you were talking about, just how are you able to help them using that mental health perspective? Maybe this is kind of going a little bit more personal, but would you say there are certain points at your time here at this private school where you were able to not only connect, but like help a kid out based off your experience, not necessarily at that age, but just like when you were younger, where you where it reminded you of like you in a sense, and it kind of made you help them at a more personal level. So my example would be, it was great that I had all the experience in mental health that I did. And, you know, obviously a lot of my schooling helped out too, being able to help a student in a certain way. But for example, I'm sure there is a lot of times where Helping out a kid reminded me of myself in a way where I was like, man, this kid looks like he's having a hard time connecting with his friends. Maybe this one little comment or push of encouragement could help him, you know, open up a bit or kind of embrace things about him that clearly weren't working for him, that others kind of looked at him in a way where he was like, I'm weird. But then I'd be like, hey, dude, that's pretty cool. And then kind of connect with him with that and then be like, oh, did you know that? your classmate so-and-so is into that too and kind of be that bridge in a way. So my question is like, were there moments where you didn't necessarily use your school or your experience to help kids, but moments where you use your own personal experience and kind of give that special tailored moment to a, to a student? Good question. I I think I, I recall one moment. So I was an avid reader as a child and would Mm. spend a lot of time reading outside by myself, getting lost in my world, essentially, and just kind of zoning everyone out. And I was totally okay with that. Never saw saw a downfall to it. Just kind of did my own thing. And, um, but I do remember like as a kid (laughs) when like other kids would just like come up to me and like be like, well, why aren't you playing with us? You know, I'm like, oh, I'm just reading, you know, just doing my own thing, whatever. I care less about like playing with others. You know, I just wanted to do my own thing. But I do remember as I got older, I found that sometimes I wanted to be included, but I didn't know how to ask 
to be included Fair, yeah, because yeah. I had always just done my own thing. Yeah. And so I remember we were outside with the kids and there was a kiddo just kind of like reading and just doing her own thing. And she's always just more quiet, I would say. She reminded me of me a lot. But I do remember her mom had brought up to us um, just in conversation how she wanted her to like play with kids and kind of be a little bit more social. And so it was kind of like what I wanted her to do is just be a little bit more social. But I also understood where that child came from because I saw a lot of myself in her. So I knew it was going to be difficult to do that. And it would take a lot of courage for her to do that. But I remember talking to her one time just about like books in our class. And I was like, you know, what would be really cool is if, you know, you can go outside and like find one of your classmates and just like play with them today. You know, the book will be, you know, on the bench when you get back, you know, or you can read it when you get back, but it'd be really cool if you do that. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, when I was little, I would love to just read all the time, but Sometimes you just got to go and play with some people. And so she's like, okay. And I, she actually went out and played with someone else. And they actually ended up being good friends. And mm-hmm. I actually saw their friendship like develop over that year, which was really great. But yeah, it was one of those things where I saw myself in that child. And I kind of knew already how to navigate the conversation. And so... Yeah. Well, that's a cool part too, because our job also allowed us to make those those long term uh, relationships with students. You know what I mean? Like we were able to see them grow from you know grade to grade. And I don't know if you guys know this, but you grow so much between each grade, like socially, oh, you know, physically, whatever. But the fact that like we were able to see them grow in multiple ways like i think that was just really cool it's like in a way it's like kind of like parenting but you know we're, we're educators at the end of the day yeah uh how about for you Lindsay? if yeah i think um so i was with the first graders and so it's so interesting you see um first grade compared to second grade you see them grow a lot which is really cool academically emotionally and socially which is awesome yeah and the majority of our kids um they were they had siblings but i i'm an only child and then when i had a a girl in particular she was an only child too and she had some stuff going on family wise as well and she had kind of difficulties learning a little bit too um but we really connected um i was I worked with her one-on-one throughout the whole school year, mainly. Um, And so that was really good to see because I I think we connected because, you know, she didn't have siblings. I don't have siblings and everyone around her mainly had siblings. So I kind of understand that, um, that you're kind of really independent and you're kind of learning, you know, as you go because you don't have anyone to really look up to. And so we really connected and that was really good for her. Um, She didn't have the best time in kindergarten so I always we always made it the trying to make it um more of a positive school experience for her Mm. which is always the goal and she really thrived that year which was awesome I mean just thanks for you know being able to share that because I feel like there's so many so my reasoning behind that kind of question is also because so many people have um misconceptions about like how I'm not trying to have the narrative that like being an educator is hard, but I also think in respect to being an educator in general, like people don't understand it's beyond the lessons in class. It's beyond math, science, all those basic subjects. Like there's so many other aspects to that. And just by based off what you guys told us, like just there's a lot of smaller moments. Call me cheesy, but it's just kind of like life. There's always these smaller moments where you get a lot of out of life and learn about yourself and that you're really able to have an impact, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So going off of that question, what are some misconceptions that you guys remember having before this job? And then that kind of like opened your eyes to be like, whoa, it wasn't what I, what it seemed like. So for example, I guess you can say, I don't know, I'm biased in this sense. So I'm curious, like what were your guys's whoa, surprise moments going into this school and realizing that the misconceptions that you may have had 
weren't necessarily true for this private school especially because again you guys came from a public school so what what were some misconceptions i guess i guess it's hard to say because i didn't know what instructional assistants like what they do at public schools i never had an instructional right okay let's let's start with that that's fair enough and um, so then i can't necessarily say i know right the um the role of sure so let's take a couple steps back i mean uh, people who are listening to this probably are wondering the same thing and i kind of made a mistake of not talking about that at the beginning because we lived it and we kind of we kind of expected people to catch on at this point so how would you explain what an ia is first i would say an ia provides support to the teacher and student yeah designated grade and or class yeah at our school it was that we provided support to the class that we were designated to work with mark worked with middle school so he had six through eight Lindsay and i had um, our designated classes that yeah we were at so we were there full-time full-time through yeah. friday supporting our teacher and the student yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's funny because people are like, "What did you do exactly?" That's the thing. We did almost anything. Um, right. Because being that, like, people just thought, like, "Oh, you're just helping with small groups. You're helping one on ones with students who are struggling or whatever." But it was actually more than that. It was what I saw from my experience was like I was more there for a lot of social support. Yeah. Because it's like there's only so much you can do because the teachers were already great to begin with. So they already had the educational part figured out. It was more of like it really came down to what extra things the teacher wanted to do or focus on to make a bigger impact. And we were kind of that that connector or that, you know, the a way for them to even have a bigger impact. And but on top of that, helping in the classroom, we were also present outside of the classroom. So that came from, you know, helping around at at recess in between time. So we were necessarily seen as the hard-ass teachers in a way like we had to be seen as a friend at some point too because we were we were the middleman in so many ways so if you guys want to add to that like that's just kind of my perspective on that yeah and it's cool how you said we took care of a lot of the social emotional pieces of like students because we were outside at recess and a lot of you know, them connecting with other peers happens at that point, or right. a lot of yeah. problem solving happens at that point, and so we a lot kind of, of emotions mm-hmm, firsthand. <laughs> it's understatement. What was yeah. happening out there, and so we were able to like bring that in and kind of let our teacher, you know, know what was happening, so at least she or he had an understanding of you know what to look for and. So I feel like we were, I don't know what I was about to say. Lost a blank. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Go ahead, Lindsay. Oh, yeah. I think um, definitely the social emotional support, you know, especially at recess, that's like a wild time. You see all the kids' emotions um, during that time. And then you see the ones that can't handle their emotions, right? And then the ones that need like help with that or how to problem solve. A lot of them don't know how to problem solve. So you have to like, teach that um to them and so definitely recess was could be a wild time for sure and then you see you know you know let's say they're playing soccer and um a lot of you know they're young so they don't know like sportsmanship yet um so you need to teach them that too and actually teaching them how to lose right um is kind of important too because that that would that could get wild too but a lot of times and this is like new to me, but um, in the sports teams they were on, like through Boys and Girls Club, they didn't keep score. Um, so they really didn't know how to lose, which could be an issue. For sure. Um, I have a wild question and maybe I'm being a little bit too meta, but this is how I think. Uh, keeping in mind what you guys just answered for that question, from our experience here, just recapping, we used our experiences from our previous jobs, did what we could, also gave a part of ourselves and our own experiences and tailored it to benefit kids like we re- ultimately we, we raise kids up in a way where we're able to help them socially academically whatever 
So taking that, what are some things that you learned about yourself? And I love that last question because connecting it to this question, again, I think I'm overthinking it, but this is, again, I'm embracing how I think. Just being able to see how kids live their lives in such a simple way and how they focused on just the simple things in life. Like, yeah, it was the context was school, but just being able to interact and see how they thought at that age. Personally, it reminded me again how like how I wanted to be a kid again and how I kind of lost touch of the innocence in my life. Again, I'm looking a little bit more deeper into this, but like that's one of the lessons that I learned from working with middle school. Just the fact that there's more to life than just like looking to the next big thing. And that job, um, one lesson that I learned was that it taught me to live in the moment and embrace the moment for what it was. And how ironic that like I had to relearn that by watching other kids live that part of their life, that middle school life. So in a way, it was like, God, I'm going to pull the God card. That was like God tapping on my shoulder and being like, hey, remember these simple things. And it was funny how I had to learn it through that context and even fitting because I was into, you know, being in the education system and whatnot. So it wasn't necessarily my intended lesson out of that, but it was a nice reminder, especially. So I'm not looking for a similar answer, but my question is, what are some key lessons that you learned from that position that has helped you personally today? Yeah, I think um, learning that school is such a safe place for some kids. You know, maybe home isn't great. Uh, Maybe there's family stuff going on, but their school is can be so safe and so therapeutic for them and super important. Um, You know, it it has a set schedule, it has a set routine, and that can be so comforting for some kids, um, which is needed. And so that, that's what I definitely learned. And then also the joy that they found in the little things uh, was really rewarding. So I know, I remember, you know, on St. Patrick's Day when they're hunting for leprechauns, that was such a fun time. Um, you know, any little thing they would say, oh, I think this is where the leprechaun has been. Um, and so that it's super fun stuff like that. When they're hunting for fairies outside, when they're making flower crowns, just fun, joyful stuff like that was really rewarding. Um, for me, what was really rewarding was how we were able to foster these relationships with students and how we could be intentional about that. I think what was so great about for me working there for so long is kind of watching these kids grow up in front of my eyes and to see them grow socially, emotionally, in height, and be able to kind of be part of that was really rewarding. And something that like I've learned and I got to see it firsthand at the school is the importance of like wrapping yourself or having a team, like wrap them selves around like one student and to see like the fruit of that when you're able to really just kind of focus in on that one child and how like there and I get to I got to see it firsthand right but I would love to be able to like replicate that you know in my other jobs and be able to like kind of cast that vision to other educators to other support staff Um, And be able to like have them see it and then be able to do that wherever they're at. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because it's like (laughs) sometimes it sounds like it it was like a utopia. Like it was like a perfect school. No, this is not a perfect school. It's beyond perfect. Yeah, it's definitely not perfect. But I think the thing that I want to speak on is that our intentions. I have met so many great people at this position specifically and so many great educators I actually mean that. Like, there was so many moments where I was like, whoa. It was a self-reflection thing for me because I remember, like, looking back and I was like, I never had that growing up. And that's really cool that these people are progressive to the point that they started focusing on different aspects of education. And that was mind-blowing to me because I was able to see all these great educators, great new approaches. Yeah, I haven't been to, you know, grade school since you know, forever, but just being able to see that evolution bit compared to what we had growing up, I think it was just really inspiring. And definitely, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool to see kind of, yeah, the evolution of what can school look like and how can it be super supportive for students and families. Right. But ultimately having that intention, like we all had, we had great intentions for building up that next generation and equipping them as much as we could, because we all have different experiences, but I always look back at those I hate to say it, but I had really shitty teachers where they would just like drill certain lessons in our heads, not life lessons, but just like lessons in like math, for example. And just it made me feel so little as a person. But then I think about those great teachers that I had and then compare them to some of the people that I met at this job where it's like they built them up as a person first, where having that approach, like you guys said, of building them beyond the classroom was really it was different but it was so appropriate at this time because it, it starts with a strong foundation and i definitely saw a lot of those kids having a stronger foundation coming from that school and then having everyone with good intentions so so looking where we are now um obviously just to pay respect to where what we went through that was roughly how many years like three and a half whatever for me i think i was at or the school we were at for like two two and a half okay yeah you might have been three Jen Jen was more so what ended up happening is that we actually all left the the end of the same year and so that was big for me you know I had bigger hopes and dreams at that time but partially I, I wasn't really sure where I would be ending up so I guess my question for you guys is after that great experience I like to label it as or great season of our life, where did that lead you and how did you take the lessons and epiphanies, I guess is the word, that you had from that experience to where you are now? I can still say that we're in education in a form in the field of education somehow and how do you how are you using that experience where you are now? Yeah, so I'm in a um a public school um as a support specialist or social work type role, sure. which I enjoy. And I definitely took what I learned where we were at with me for sure. So, you know, like that wraparound support, what does this family need? Definitely a different population. So the population we were working with was pretty well off. Sure. Just looks completely uh, different, yeah. Financially. And then you know, I'm working with um, low-income families and students, so you're meeting like a lot of basic needs, um, which is so important. And then it's cool that school, some school districts are set up to provide that to their students. Which and is has needed. your perspective on just working with kids evolved, hopefully, since our last experience with that private school? Yeah, definitely. Um, you kind of see the big picture of you know what's going on in this child's life what's going on with their family how can what can the school support or what can we find resource wise for them in the community so yeah yeah I will say like Lindsay was sharing the wraparound approach has been something that I have tried to replicate um, in my line of work Um, I am also working at a public school in the area and I work really closely with admin and helping provide that wraparound approach. The way our school is set up is that we have what we call a care team that specifically focuses on certain students and getting them kind of what they need. Um, I do work with a different population in the sense that most students um, English is not their first language and or you know they just need a lot of basic needs met and so what we do is support them in that way and support the family I think I what I like to say is we like to holistically look at the whole family um, if the student is not doing well it's not because it's you know, they academically aren't doing well. It's probably because they don't have food on the table. It's probably because mom is stressed out that she doesn't have stable income. It's probably because, you know, dad is working late and, you know, can't cook for the child. We just don't know the situation. And so, you know, you have to take care of those basic needs, making sure they have a roof over their head for the child to be able to focus on school. And so, you know, you get those resources, you get those things that the family needs. 
and you build that relationship with the family. You know, I think it's, it was so great to be able to have that experience at our, the private school, because I was able to really get to know families, right, and be able to work with lots of families. And I think that experience definitely has helped me in the role that I'm in now being able to work with just a number of families and be able to find ways to connect with them has been really vital to my role and also been able just to help me connect with the student as well. Right. But I would say like we all, the three of us definitely do that naturally if you think about it too. So in a way, yeah, our jobs look different. It's a different population, different, way different set of needs. But wouldn't you agree that like at the core, our same intentions are still there. Like we still try to give the best care plan that we have for, you know, a student or give as many resources that our position allows us to. So kind of going off of that, like, again, it's it's also hard coming from a private school because resources were endless. There were many ways that I could have thought of and it would have been possible to help a student in that way. So for example, like if a student needed like a specific book or, you know, program that would have helped them succeed, I'm sure that school would have funded that somehow. And so kind of taping that idea, like how has that opened your eyes to your positions now? Because I know that both of your positions aren't the greatest um, funding wise. And so how have you been able to take that approach differently and kind of provide as much as you can from your position? Because I'm sure you still have that drive to help as as much as you can, but the funding isn't there. So what are some ways, even if they're small ways? For me, I mean, I have had to rely heavily on the community, Mm. Um, whether that is other nonprofits, whether that's our local food bank, local churches. And um, I will say with nonprofits and You know, anyone who's listening and knows anything about the nonprofit world, people leave, right? And so, you know, there's not enough funding to keep people there. And so my, just who I am, like I love to create and build relationships with others because I think that definitely helps with getting resources. But when you have someone who's leaving at a nonprofit, you're not able to connect with that another individual there to be able to get you what you need. Right. And so there's kind of that bridge yeah, right, no, yeah. that, you know, you run into. The other thing I've learned is that the community does want to help. They just don't know how to help mm. because they don't know where the need. They don't know what the need is and what it looks like. And they can't put a face to person like they just don't, they don't know. And so, you know, but when you're able to kind of tell the story Uh, paint a picture of what's happening. Then you have other individuals that just kind of come out of the woodworks. Yeah, just trying to educate in general, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So so many people are out of touch with what's going on, if you think about it. Exactly. And a lot of people don't know what's happening. They don't have an in at a school. Right. So they don't, they're kind of just standing back waiting for someone to tell them or to provide an opportunity for them to be able to invest, you know? And so I think what I would love to do is be able to, you know, kind of um, shed some light on what's happening at, at the school that I'm working at, but at other schools and then be able to have others kind of see what is happening and then want to be part of the solution by either contributing financially, if you want to tutor, be an advocate, if you want to, you know, kind of embrace a family. I think we do, I think as humans, we want to take care of others, right? Maybe it's just me and just no, kind of I how totally I grew up. That, but, yeah. but I think we have that as part of like our nature and want to do that. We just don't know how to do that. And sometimes we, we think too big in the sense that we want to take care of a huge group, right. a huge community. But I think what we need to do is take care of one person. Because I think if you take care of one person and you plant the seed, foster that relationship, and you watch them grow, you know, over the years, 
I think that's like you're doing a great job by doing that. You know, we don't have to take care of the hundreds. You just got to take care of one. And if each person took care of one person or adopted one family, like how different would it look like, you know, years from now? Yeah. And I think it's just interesting that you have that perspective on things because some people approach life or just helping others in a completely different way. They just kind of bite more off than they can chew. And then the next thing they know, like that's what kind of leads to burnout. But I'm sure there's something in your journey, especially that kind of speaks to that and made you realize that because that is huge. Like just the fact that, I mean, some people can go through a shift of working with kids and be like, that was complete bullshit. Like I was only able to help them do one thing, whatever. And it was a complete, you know, shit show. But at the same time, you never know, like that's probably where that kid had to be met that that one day. And that's still making an impact if you really think about it. So also, yeah, just having that kind of mentality and that mindset that you're investing in them, but one moment at a time, it sounds like you're trying to say, yeah. One one person at a time. Sure. You know, like having to, again, I would love to adopt 10 families and give them everything that they need. God damn. But really, okay. I emotionally can't do that right now. Like what I can do is focus on one family and get them everything that they need. Sure. And then put 100% of like my time in building them. Sure. Right? Of course. Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, it'd be cool to see like, you know, from there, 10 years from now, if that family will go ahead and invest in another family mm-hmm. and be able to adopt someone else. Yeah. Like seeing the. So like a butterfly effect. effect. Yeah. It just trickles yeah. down. Give yeah. positivity, like get positivity, and you know, hopefully. But that intention. The kind of know. the pay it forward. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. No, I agree with what Jen says, for sure. Um, You know, I call it small wins. So, you know, yes, we don't have a ton of funding. Um, We may may not have the best school environment for learning, but we do what we can with what we have. And then so the small wins, you know, whether that's were we able to get a kid, you know, were we able to advocate for them to be able to be evaluated by you know special services that's a huge win because they you know they definitely need it and then so we were able to work with the family and and fill out the paperwork and get it all submitted and then um get the ball rolling on that so that you know i'm in the preschool program so then before they get to kindergarten they can already have some services in place which is important um them down the road so mm. that's yeah. kind of those small wins and then you know one of the families I work with you know their goal working with me was to get their own apartment and they just recently did that so that's oh, cool. awesome. awesome that's like super cool to see so it's just these small wins you know and you can get stressed you know with things coming from the district or from other folks you know and then what with you know not having a ton of resources but i think you you see those small wins and that's really really cool to see oh for sure and like i said i mean i'm confident that there's at least something in your guys both of your guys' journey that makes you have that new perspective i'm repeating myself but like just being able to have that like i feel like you're more able to be more productive and Also, be able to fuel yourself to continue doing what you guys are doing. And so that kind of leads to my next question. Like, what are some... I'm using inspirations, the word inspiration so freely, but let's just do it. Like, what inspires you to continue to work and help youth and those who are underrepresented? Because both of your positions very much so deal with those populations. So what drives you, continues to drive you? I think it's the it's the students and it's the families for sure. Um, you see such growth in kids. You know, we have kids. They come into the preschool classroom. They don't know any lingu- any English. Um, and by the end of the school year, they are fluent in English and they're ready for kindergarten. So yeah. that right there is awesome, and that's such a needed thing. That way, that way they can hit the ground running when they get into the K through 12 system. Mm. Um, and then same with the families, you know, you have some families that are learning English, you know, when they start with you, you know, they're, they have limited English skills, but then when they, after the school year is over, they're, they're doing great with their English and they're, you know, ready to move on to other things using those skills. So it's just seeing those wins and the growth of the students and families um, that I work with. That's awesome to see and then 
Um, sometimes I know siblings of the kids um, that I work with. And so that's cool because you still have that connection mm. as they move throughout the school system, which is great. Yeah. And speaking on behalf of your position, it is interesting because you work with preschool age, yeah. roughly. Yeah. yeah. So- Three and fours, um, and then our programs for low-income families. And so it's a really needed program, and it certainly helps students and families. Yeah, sure. so since it is so early, like in a child's education, that just being able to focus on that age and really make as big as an impact as you can, and like you said, just having them prepared and being able to speak, you know, even a lick of English. Right. Like just being able to set a strong foundation for them to be con- successful in the future. I think that's just really powerful that that program is able to, you know, make that big of an impact. Definitely. Yeah. It's all about, you know, kindergarten readiness, school readiness. Right. Um, that way, you know, they're, they're not going in cold when they step into a kindergarten right. classroom. They've already been into school, right. which is super important um, for their education career as they move along from grade to grade. Yeah. How about you, Jen? Um, For me, the families that I've connected with over the years have really have touched me in a very special way um, and have kind of helped me realize that the work that I'm doing is for more families and that I'm not done. And so I think even in conversation with these families, you know, they tell me like, I'm so glad that you're here to do the work that you're doing because it has helped me. And I think about it and I go, I just feel like I'm an instrument at this point in this world just helping people get what they need. Hmm. And that's how I see it, you know? And so I just feel like, you know, my skill set and my experience has definitely led me here to work with these families. And I'm honored and humbled to be in the position that I am because I feel like, like, I just, I just love what I do. Like it just, every day doesn't feel like work to me. It feels like I am coming into a new set of stories to hear. And I feel like I'm kind of there to just sit and hear the stories that these parents are telling me and be able to be there to let them know that their story isn't done and that there is more to their life and that those basic things that they need, can't we can get those things or it is... Mm. Like part of what I do is help those families kind of navigate the system, essentially. And so if I can just be there to help them navigate the system and make it a little bit easier, you know, I feel like I'm doing my job, but also helping the family. And so I feel like that makes me continue, makes me want to help more, just being there for them and just being able to have that muscle or just have that perspective of even knowing that there is a reason behind your work and being able to see the overall goal is I have a lot of respect for people who are able to do that because you could easily deem your job as like, I'm just pushing papers at sometimes like it sounds like, you know, you do deal with paperwork and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if that's allowing the family or student to move along in that process of getting them extra help or whatever, you're doing your job and you're able to see that like that's, you know, that's powerful. Much respect to both of you guys regarding that. And then my final question is, if you can recap everything that you've learned so far in, you know, your careers and experiences as working with kids, what is a piece of advice that you would give to yourself and to ultimately continue living up to your own mission statement, whatever that may be? I think for myself, um, and I've kind of like hinted on this a little bit, and it's really just to take care of one one family, one student at a time. Because I think if you're able to hone in and focus on that one family, on that one student, and kind of give your all to them, you know, it doesn't feel like you're just half-assing your job, right? It feels like you are able to really focus on getting them what they need and um, using the people around you to focus in on that family. 
And so I feel like for myself in my line of work, that's kind of my own personal mission. And sometimes when I feel overwhelmed with all the families and with all the stories and with all the chaos of things, all the I bullshit, I mean, that's yeah. really what it comes down and, to sometimes. And, you know, with everything going on, I just think focus on one. Take mm-hmm. one at a time and mm. you focus on this family first, this student first, and then you can kind of, you know, progress from there. And I think even just outside of work, you know, and in my own personal life, um, part of kind of what I want to do is just really be able to like adopt a student or adopt a family and kind of watch them um over the years and kind of be there as like a mentor or coach or whatever it may be um and be able to to just be there you know um and I think if we all did that how much more beautiful would our would our world look like Mm. I don't know I, I don't know but I just know that for sure but having that intention like that's just so powerful because Hopefully, a lot of people have that intention, you know, as you, I feel like you have to experience that love firsthand first to be able to want to give that love. And, you know, that's, I think that's what it really comes down to. And especially, you know, I don't know what you've been through or whatever, but just being able to. I will say, yeah, yeah. for like myself, and I will share very little on this, but like my family actually, like, we ended up like every week. Um, as a family, like working at a homeless shelter. Mm. And so I started doing that at a very young age. And my parents always just kind of taught us that our job is as a family is to do this together. Mm. And what we're going to do is serve others. And so like the heart of like serving others is just part of it came very natural to me. And it also like seeing the homeless population and never scared me because I kind of grew up seeing them as like friends. Right. And so just but normal people, saw, if you think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like never saw them differently. And at the same time, I also saw the fruit of like the seed that was planted because my parents took care of family, took care of single moms and did it by like giving them a meal, by pulling them aside and having a conversation with them. And even one family in particular, she was a a mom, single mom who had lost her kids, you know, due to drugs and whatnot. But because of the relationship that was fostered with my parents she was able to get into like a halfway house, got her job. And then, you know, it's funny, later on, she ended up working long- alongside my family oh, wow. and serving nice. others. And so it's like to see that firsthand, you're just like, yeah. she has been my, I guess, my inspiration for, for sure, yeah. going into the line of work that I'm in, right. but also to, you know, be able to take care of one you know if Mm. it wasn't for my parents like connecting with her weekly who knows you know because she wasn't connecting with anyone else or maybe she was Mm. but the fact that my parents were like constantly checking in on her and you know kind of just watching over her over the years Mm -hmm. um definitely who knows if it helped but I know that right like I'm grateful to have seen that firsthand so not a lot of people can confirm that either. Like they probably help somebody and they don't see the the fruits of that labor. Yeah. And even though like I'm sure there's other instances that kind of made you realize that specific lesson, but like being able to have that specific instance and have that big of an impact until now, like for all I know, like you may not ever thought about that person since, you know, maybe this conversation too. So I think that just speaks volumes to how you have the right intentions and you want them to thrive in this world, but most especially like you didn't have any expectations from it. Like that's just what you grew up to do. So yeah. respect. Yeah. Um, how about for you, Lindsay? Yeah. Um, what came to mind for me is the don't be afraid to speak up. So, you know, if a policy or if an, is something, if the school isn't, is it, 
I always ask myself, is this serving students? Is this serving families? Is this beneficial to them? And if it's not, if it's just, you know, maybe it's a policy that isn't correct, you know, speak up and see something. Let people know that, hey, I don't think this is really beneficial to our families at this time, or I don't think this is helping students right now, or how can we meet families where they're at? maybe that idea or that rule or policy isn't. Um, and how can we change this? You know, you may be met with pushback. You may not um, change it, but at least you spoke up to say that, hey, I don't agree with this, um, which is important. And then that way, you know, people know that you're kind of in their corner and you will speak up and ask and say something if something isn't correct, which is needed. You need more people that will question things to move things along. You, you don't just want to go with the status quo. Something that came to mind is, you know, someone, they always say the most dangerous thing is if someone says, well, we've always done it this way. Um, <laughs> so that I always keep in my head, um, you know, if that's how people are acting. So that's, I always question, always ask, you know, is this the best idea is this the best way to serve students and families and you know right now you know normally we would do home visits in the home but you know we're not able to do that right now so we're doing virtual visits and i think that's really good i think that's meeting families where they're at if they're calling us while they're driving cool like that's great you know that's the time that they had to speak with us and to ask questions and to get information and i think that's super important um so yeah don't be afraid to speak up, question things if you don't think it's if it's correct or right. I think the three of us in our own in our own uh, unique way, like we're we're just advocates at heart, and just always being able to represent those who don't have a voice metaphorically, I guess you can say. And so Absolutely. it's just powerful how at the end of the day, like our intentions are always to help raise others up in any way that we can. And I think it's just interesting how. You know, every position that we've taken so far that I know of, for you guys especially, like we've always had yeah. that had that freedom, I guess is the word, maybe, maybe not, um, or just had the opportunity to always be an advocate in any way possible. I'm sure there's always instances where like we thought that we literally had no way to help through that job, but we always found ways to help in our own personal way, which is still mm-hmm. a big impact, so... Yeah, just to wrap things up, um, much respect for just being able to share all of that. But most especially, like, I'm just excited for where you guys are headed, especially. This line of work is not easy. Just working in, you know, human services or just also working in education. Burnout is very, very real. And I'm just glad that we're able to have this real conversation. Again, it's only a recap or it's just very small nutshell of, you know, what we actually deal with. Um, I feel like experiencing these things firsthand is definitely more powerful, but I'm just glad that we're able to shine light on these issues, but most especially our intentions behind it. I like I've used that word so many times in this episode, but like it's it's still powerful to me. Like our intentions are we're definitely in the right mindset of wanting to help people for our own reasons and you know. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode and special thanks to Jen and Lindsay for sharing their experiences, but also shining light on ongoing issues in our school system. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at hint of underscore lemon and listen to us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Bye.